It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast that believes that progressive politics can change the world. In the dying hours of Wednesday evening, the EU27 agreed to a six-month flexible extension. And for the staffers working behind the scenes in Westminster, that means six more months of microwave meals, ghosting loved ones, and dreams about John Burko's dulcet tones. Don't look at me like that, because I know we've all had them. <laughs> After speaking to journalists earlier this week about what it was like to work behind the scenes in Westminster, today, I, Stefan Rolnick, filling in for the lovely Hannah Shah, We'll be talking to three staffers of Labour parliamentarians who, and you can't see their faces, listener, but are clearly ecstatic with the whole situation currently. We've got Holly Higgins, who works with Alison McGovern. Hi, Holly. Hello. We have Jamie Alley, who works with Dr. Paul Williams. Hello. And we also have Zoe Shippen, who works with Phil Wilson. Hello. Good to have you all. How are we all doing? Good. Very honoured to be on the Progress podcast. Of course. (laughs) Thank you for having us. No worries at all. So, Holly... Kick us off. Obviously, everything is a complete mess at the moment. Is this where you thought you would be when you applied for the job? So, in a sense, yes. Um, I'm still fairly new to the job. So, I've been here maybe about five or six months now. So, I came in um, right in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of things, being a bit of a baptism of fire. So, yeah, in a sense, although when I think back to my first few weeks in the job, when um, we had big Brexit votes and for the life of me, I can't remember what we were voting on at that time. But I kind of thought those were the big moments. And I was, you know, like, oh, this is a once one, this is a one time thing, I've got to really focus this week. And looking back at those few weeks now, I I realized how naive that was. And actually, there's many big weeks and many big votes. And, you know, as of last night, when I um, woke up this morning, uh, another six months to go. So and possibly more, who knows? So um, yeah, it's very much can just uh, hear, this, life. hear the enthusiasm coursing to you. Yes, <laughs> um, it's very fun. So Jamie, there's a lot of political nerds who listen to this podcast, myself included. Hi, political nerds. <laughs> and um, a lot of them who've watched The West Wing might romanticise a vision of working in Parliament as striding through the corridors of power, talking as you walk, handing over documents as you fly by someone. Does it feel in- inspirational and kind of hopey changey like West Wing or does very quickly the shine come off it? Um, I wish it felt a bit hopey changey. So it's something that you get asked quite a lot um, when people ask you about work, I think. I went to the dentist last week and she asked me, oh, so what do you do? What's your trade? And I went, oh, I work in Parliament. And she went, oh, is it is it really glamorous? And I was like, 
No, it's absolutely not. Does the news not. look glamorous? <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. It's chaos and it's a mess. So yeah, no, it's not. And did you expect that when you applied? I mean, what possessed you to... <laughs> oh, I mean, like, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely expected it to be a complete mess. Brexit is a complete mess. And yeah, we sort of have to keep the wheels turning as best we can, which is proven very difficult at times. <laughs> and, and also hope that the uh, building doesn't fall down. I mean, I love old buildings and I love the kind of in the lobbies, um, all the old paintings and the gold and the silver, and it's all very shiny. And then you realize that there are mice everywhere. The building's falling down. I think they've just about cleaned the face of Big Ben, but we had commons shut last week because of the flooding in the commons. So that was a, a close one. I mean, but uh, yeah. You couldn't even write that. Like, you no, it's write. just... <laughs> Really strange. It's just an ongoing metaphor for the Brexit situation. <laughs> I mean, so that, that's a really interesting point, right? Because you're walking through this historic building, even if it is falling apart. Is that something you ever get used to? That must be something that people ask you all the time, you know, like, is this something, eventually, does it just become normal that you're walking past portraits? Of, I mean, you know? our office is based in the palace, so, and it's, it's right underneath Big Ben, so you've got that glorious view of the Thames. And sometimes you do, I mean, I remember being a 16-year-old standing opposite, like on the other side of the Thames, looking at Parliament thinking, God, imagine if you weren't there. And now I do. And sometimes I sit at my desk and I think, God, how did you end up here in the middle of all of this mess? Also, why did you end up here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it I mean, is cool, though. We were talking about political TV shows. And again, for the political TV nerds out there, if it isn't quite the West Wing... How close is it to the thick of it then? I mean, what is it like working in a high-pressure environment like this one? God, there is just too much swearing, isn't there? I think everyone has to agree. I mean, I don't think... In the thick of it or politics? Both. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's how you get through, isn't it? It's a lot of gallows humour. To be honest, I think if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, especially Particularly nowadays. Yeah. You have to see the humour in it. And yeah, yeah, the... The, the buildings uh, falling down, all of that. I mean, the headlines just write themselves. And um, I personally find all that stuff very amusing. So, Well, speaking of things falling apart, I guess we better come on to the news at hand at the moment. We can only avoid it for so long. So obviously we mentioned earlier that um, an extension was agreed late on Wednesday evening. They've agreed a six-month flexible extension, which I'm refusing to call a flex extension. That's what it's known as, though. Nope, I refuse. (laughs) And that's depending on whether we can pass a deal, which I guess is a massive if. As a wise person once said, politics is just maths, counting the votes. So Holly, what do these latest development mean for our attempts to get a public vote? Is it more likely, less likely? Should we be hopeful? Should we despair? I mean, that seems to be the baseline at the moment, but is there a kind of room for hope in this? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there is um, room for a lot of hope, actually. And I think um, that 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 saying that politics is just maths, uh, politics is so, so much more than that and means a lot to, to people. I mean, politics really does affect jobs and people's lives. And I think that's what's motivating us all at the moment to campaign for that public vote. But then you've got to win the votes in the Commons. And so when you're focused on that, it does become about maths. Very simply, who has more votes um, and how can can we get the votes that we need? Um, I think something that I've been really struck uh, by in the discussions about a public vote in Parliament is just how many MPs are really on a journey with um, Brexit. Um, People are really trying to represent their constituencies the best that they can and do absolutely what's right for their constituents and for the country. Yeah, and I think more and more people are coming to the view that actually we're so far away now from where we were in the referendum in 2016, the things that were promised, how we thought Brexit might look, 
that actually whatever is agreed, whatever that might be, should be legitimate made legitimate by going back to the country and you know we've had more Tory MPs come on board this week um Hugh Merriman spoke out earlier this week about about backing a public vote yeah Yeah. and spoke at the rally um which was a really great moment I don't know if people heard Betty Boothroyd's speech but that was really wonderful so I think her speech was full of hope at the rally and I think that yeah I think there's lots of hope it's just um getting forward for the next six months And you described it as a journey. And Zoe, I just want to ask you, because one of the people who is kind of trying to help people on that journey is Phil Wilson, who is pushing the, I think it's another Beckett, Kyle Wilson Wilson, amendment. I I really hope they don't add another name to that. Otherwise, I will struggle to remember that. But what's it been like working on that? Because obviously, suddenly, it seems like such a genius way to break the deadlock. I mean, for people who don't know, the amendment is that they would back Theresa May's deal on the condition that she then puts, puts it back it to, to the people. people. Exactly. And so yeah. So so tell me, what's it been like taking people been on that an, journey? As you say, it's been a journey. It's been the most incredible experience to kind of watch the way that Peter and Phil are having these conversations and building these coalitions and reaching across the house and trying to find a way that we can break this kind of Brexit impasse because we just can't go on like this. Mm. It We cannot go from month to month with businesses not knowing where they're going, with constituents not knowing whether or not they can stay in the country or not. We have to we have to reach a deal at some point. And whether it's whether it's Canada plus, whether it's Norway plus, whether it's EEA, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, it has to go back to the people because we have to compare what they were promised in 2016 with what we have now. Hmm. And I mean, a lot of that campaigning involves, um, you know, people externally trying to put, you know, tell their members of parliament what they want and kind of put pressure through those means of democracy. Jamie, have you have you been feeling that pressure as the news has kind of ebbed and flowed and gone up and down? Like, is that is it palpable in parliament, the pressure coming from outside? Yeah, I think both of the parties are very divided on this issue at the minute. And I think I don't know about the Conservative side, but I think when you speak to Labour MPs and their staffers, no matter where they sort of like sit on a public vote or Common Market 2.0 or whatever, they, they're they all going through the division lobbies and they feel as though they're doing the right thing by their, their constituents. Um, and it's... It, I know there's a lot of frust- frustration between them all at the minute um, and there's a lot of frustration among the pub- um, from the public, but I feel that at least on our side of the divide, they all feel as if they're doing the right thing, that that's what they're sent here to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as we mentioned earlier, your Member of Parliament, Paul Williams, was a doctor before yes, he was an MP. he was. Yeah, so what, <laughs> yeah. I mean... He what, still is, yeah. Is he? Yeah, he okay. still is, yeah. <laughs> um, so what's, has that given you a kind of you know, as somebody on the front lines, I guess, a fresh perspective on how important this stuff is for the NHS. Is, is he kind of always going on about it in the office? <laughs> well, oh, oh, um, I wouldn't say all the time. But I mean, like, you know, in the in the Brexit referendum, we all know about the big red bus. We know people voted to leave the EU because they were told that they get £350 million a week for the NHS. That's just not going to happen. There is no Brexit dividend. You know, the economy will be weaker if, if we leave the European Union. That is a fact. And that means less money for the NHS. And there's, you know, you speak to doctors, nurses. I know Paul is still in massive touch with the medical community. And there is just a culture now of, you know, there's 100,000 EU, I can't remember if it's um, staff or clinicians in the NHS, but there's 100,000 people um, from the EU who work in the NHS. And, you know, there's this culture of like people not having any certainty, having to apply for settled status, you know, not knowing whether there'll be 
well as welcome as they are now. I think that's a really interesting point when you talk about, you know, how we so emphatically lost the argument on that yeah. healthcare argument. And you hear, you mentioned the economy and you hear these kind of statistics about how our economy has already suffered and it still feels so distant. And I think the thing we're going to have to do, you know, if the argument comes around again, is try and make that argument in literal terms that, you know, it's already t- we've already taken a hit to our health service and our economy. So you're already probably waiting longer in lines for, you know, waiting lists to get a healthcare appointment. You know, you've probably got less money in the bank. That means less days I, on holiday. How I, do you... I still don't think we've done enough to get, as Remain people, to get our head around the fact that despite all the warnings on the economy, on the health service, and the effect that it has already had, 17 and a half million people still went out despite hearing all those warnings and voted to leave. They heard all those warnings and they went, yeah, but we think this is worth it. But I think that um, we really have to understand and show that we understand that actually this stuff really affects people's lives. You know, it's you can't just say, um, you know, average families will lose this much money we you know people are, have been working and contributing to our economy from the european union people we really need in our nhs and in our social care system as well which is really at breaking point and those people you know don't know whether they can stay or not i mean what a message that we're sending when actually we really need those people in our labor market to do the jobs that are going to look after our older people um, and our and our children as well and i just think that we really need to constantly have that at the front of our minds as campaigners, as people working in parliament, as people in politics, that actually this stuff really is meaningful to people's lives. It's not just about numbers on a leaflet. Brexit is is heart over is a heart overhead in terms of, you know, people losing their jobs or and we get count Phil gets countless emails of of people. I think there was part of a 38 degrees email where it said that they didn't mind if they lost their jobs or if there was a hard border in Northern Ireland. And it's whether or not that is a decision that people can make for other people. And we're very, particularly in the Northeast, you'll have it in your constituency yeah. as well, Jamie, that we know what it's going to be like if Brexit goes through. I mean, her deal is, you know, the Prime Minister's deal was a lot better than a WTO deal, but but it's still going to cost jobs. And I just think at the moment it's it's too it's not tangible yet for people. And and what happens when those jobs do go? So many of the issues are not actually about the EU. They're about where people's stake is in this country, you know, the insecure work, not being able to get a doctor's appointment and things like that. So leaving the EU is not actually going to particularly help them. Coming back to the idea of hope, I think that it's really about trying to say um, in the best way possible and communicate to people across the country that actually we should have hope that our country you know, can be more united, that people can have more power over their own lives. Personally, I think that's where politics needs to go from here. Uh, I know Jeff Phillips was on the show being interviewed by Anna McGovern um, a few weeks ago. Good that we got some um, and I think she summed it up for me in the sense that like the way the direction Remain has taken since June the 23rd, 2016 is that it's increasingly looking, you know, too posh to London um, and it's not speaking to the communities that voted leave. And until, you know, we sort of like reach out and get beyond that Remain core vote, you know, it's we're going to end up back at square one. That's a nice yeah. subtle plug here yeah. for the Carl Wilson compromise, yeah. <laughs> which is Phil's constituency voted 60% leave. It's in the northeast of England. Yeah. It's um, 
you know, it's, it's traditional coalfield communities. It's overwhelmingly white British. Uh, there's very little immigration. Peter's constitu- Peter Carl's constituency in Hove voted 70% remain. They, but, and they both face very, very different issues, but they both know that their constituents will be affected in very, very similar ways. And it's about trying to find a way in which we can all come to a point where we do the right thing for the country, which and has- provide some legitimacy as Precisely. well, so that we have that process, so that people really do feel that they have a stake in what's going to happen. It just comes back to the fact that where we are now is so different to where we were exactly. at the start of the campaign. So these arguments are going to continue, and I'm sure the chaos and the busyness for you guys is going to continue long through the summer, given the extension, and obviously we've got the European elections probably coming up as well, unless um, we get a deal over the line before then. Could you? kind of leave us with your because you guys are feeling the pressure here if anyone who's feeling the pressure at home could we get your brexit survival tips from the front line how do you how do you stay with it sure well actually earlier this week i just really wanted to do some baking so i baked a cake and i baked some brownies brought them into the office that was fun and yeah so sometimes i'll do that in the evening but also i think it's just really important that people like switch off on the weekends i mean it's funny what you said uh, at the beginning about ghosting loved ones, because I just find actually that when I'm running around here uh, trying to get to different stuff, making sure we've we've got the information we need, I'm always on my phone and there's a lot of WhatsApp groups has been covered by a lot of podcasts and the, I know Brexit cast covered it loads about all the WhatsApp groups. So I tend to try to stay away from my phone at the weekend, but it's actually led to a couple of friends of mine, really great friends, getting in touch saying, because I've missed their messages, saying, Holly, what have I done? Have, you know, do you, have I done something? Do you hate me or something? And I've had to text them back and be like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I just really turned my phone off. And I personally, um, I mean, if any of my friends are listening to this, well, they'll laugh because they know I'm awful at technology. Um, I can't work my phone anyway. But I think it's really, really important to switch phone off, to not look at Twitter, um, especially as, you know, staff. You know, we're here to, to help our members, but we really need to switch off and not look at Twitter so much on the weekend. That's my it's personal tip. a tough one to follow, tip. Zoe. I think there was a pub uh, that I walked past where it said, talk Brexit, get barred. And I think that should probably be, I think particularly when you get outside of work, it's not uncommon for you to tell someone that you work in Parliament. And as you were saying earlier about the dentist, they go, oh, so what's it like? What do you think about Brexit? What's going to happen? So where do we go next? about Brexit. Yay! Let's talk about Brexit, or let's not. So and you sort of only, you sort of just have to say it's just a mess. I think we should all get badges yeah. that just say, "Yes, I work in Parliament." No, I don't want to talk about Brexit. <laughs> talk to me about anything else, but do not talk to me about Brexit. Jamie, you know, meditation or yoga, or you could do what we do in the Progress Office, which is make ourselves pretty shareholders with the amount <laughs> we spend there. Not quite meditation or yoga. Um, I think in our office, so like the, when the MPs leave on a Thursday afternoon, um, we tend to like slink out to like the Westminster Greggs and get like a big box of donuts and like take 10 minutes to be like, That's a great strategy. Right, and now they are gone. <laughs> let's calm down now. <laughs> I mean, when they vote a Greggs there, why did they vote yeah. a Greggs there? Like it, It's like the greatest thing, but the I worst thing ever. I think that Greggs features in almost every Progress podcast. Um, as, as if what Westminster needs right now is a massive sugar crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brexit's made me put on weight. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you're the only one. Guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days to come and speak to us. Good luck with the rest no of the Thank you. Thanks for Always having welcome. us. Thanks for having us. Thanks. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was One in the West by Blue Dot Sessions 
licensed under Creative Commons, and many thanks to our fantastic and long-suffering producer, Caroline Crampton. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.